Hey, welcome to Faith Lutheran Church Online. Thanks for tuning in uh, to our online uh, worship message this morning. Uh, one quick announcement before we uh, get into our message for the weekend. Next Sunday, February 7, uh, we will uh, be holding live worship services again at Union Park, Sunday morning, 930. Uh, you all are welcome to come. Uh, we will be masking, social distancing, all that good stuff again. Uh, but again, that will be a live service. For those of you who are not comfortable coming to a live service, uh, we will be having live stream worship. And so one way or another, uh, we do want to invite you to join us next Sunday uh, for uh, worship uh, at Union Park, uh, however that works best for you. Now, if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, I want to invite you to go to the Old Testament book of Joshua. Today we're going to be in Joshua 24. We're in the middle of a sermon series called Long Story Short. And the big idea behind this uh, sermon series, this 12-week sermon series, is that little by little, bit by bit, God reveals himself to us uh, through his story. That's really what the Bible is. It's God's story. But it's not just God's story. It's God saying, let me tell you who I am. Let me reveal to you about my character. And so God has revealed to us over the past few weeks as we've been going through his story, uh, that he is a creator, uh, that he is a promise keeper, that he is a rescuer, and that uh, he wants to have a special relationship uh, with his people, what's called a covenant relationship. Now, we oftentimes think of this covenant relationship with God's people, the Israelites, uh, as the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments uh, were the basis for relationships, healthy relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And so today, uh, just to kind of bring you up to speed a little bit, after God gives uh, Moses and the Israelites the Ten Commandments, God says, let's go on a camping trip. Uh, and so they do. They spend the next 40 years uh, wandering around the wilderness in tents on this camping trip. And God's leading them uh, on this camping trip. Fast forward 40 years, God's people, the Israelites, they, they arrive at the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River is an important piece of geography but because it's a demarcation of where the promised land uh, begins. And so Moses goes up on the mountain with a group of people. He points across the Jordan River and says, guys, that's it. That's the promised land. Remember 500 years ago when God came to our ancestor Abraham and says, I'm going to give you prime real estate, you and your nation. We've arrived, guys. 500 years later, there's the promised land. You get it. Uh, one little uh, detail that you need to know about. There's people living there already. Um, in fact, the people living in that land, um, they're kind of big, they're kind of strong, uh, they're actually pretty battle-proven, uh, they're pretty strong warriors, um, but God's going to give you that land, go get it, and then Moses dies. That's kind of how it all, all, all ends. And, and, and the Israelites, especially for us 21st century people, we're probably thinking, well, that kind of seems like a sucker punch. 
Why would God do that? Why would God, you know, invite us to, you know, all this way, see the land and say, oh, by the way, one little stipulation. Well, the good news is uh, uh, Moses had an appointed successor, a guy who was going to lead uh, the Israelites into the promised land. And his name, of course, is Joshua. And that's where the story uh, kind of picks up today. And it's a story where we're thinking to ourselves, how in the world are the Israelites going to do it? Remember, uh, they, they had just been traveling 40 years through the wilderness. All they really knew was just how to be uh, sheep herders and goat herders and camel herders. Uh, they were not warriors. They hadn't fought any battles. And, and then their grandparents or their parents they were the people uh, who were slaves in Egypt. So there's really nobody who's a military warrior in their midst. And God looks at uh, Joshua and the Israelites, and he says, don't worry about it. I've got it. This is my specialty. And the theme that we're really going to unpack today is that God is a conqueror. He is the God of the conquest. This is who God is. This is what God does. He goes to battle. So let's pray as we prepare to read God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, to be able to follow along your story as we listen and learn about who you are and whose we are uh, through you. So God, as we prepare to, to open your word, to hear the story, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I love history. Uh, I love military history. World War I, World War II, the American Civil War, the Revolutionary War. I just, I'm fascinated uh, by all the wars and the battles uh, that have gone on before us. I'm also fascinated uh, by great leaders who have fought in battle. I think about Napoleon, uh, Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar. And I just, I can't help uh, but just uh, be amazed at how these uh, leaders, oftentimes with very limited tools and resources, and, and oftentimes were out, uh, out uh, they didn't have what, what the other group had, uh, the, other, the enemies had. They were ill-equipped for battle, but somehow, through incredible military strategy and perseverance, they overcome adversity and they win battles and they ultimately win the war. Now this uh, F4 Phantom uh, behind me here, uh, this was uh, built in the 1960s, uh, and of course, uh, it, it flew uh, much during the Vietnam conflict. It was flown by uh, Navy pilots, fighter pilots, and uh, this is quite a machine as you look at it. Uh, it it's fast. Uh, in, in fact, uh, this uh, plane, the F-4 Phantom, has been tested at Mach 
2.5, and that's uh, over 2,000 miles per hour. Now, to give you a little perspective, if you've ever flown on a 747 jumbo jet, those fly about 650 miles an hour. So this fighter jet flies about three times the speed of a 747 plane. I think we can all agree that's pretty fast. But this F-4 Phantom, it also flies far. It's got some pretty good range to it. It flies uh, about 1,800 miles. That's from uh, here in Bloomington all the way to Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, that's got some longevity to it. And it can really fly high up in the sky. Uh, it's set some records 80, 90,000 feet up in the air. Again, I want to give you some perspective. If you've flown on a commercial airliner, they fly between 31 and 38,000 feet up in the air. This airplane, the F-4, it can fly double that uh, altitude. It is really up there in the sky, way high up. Now, interestingly, uh, it weighs about uh, 32,000 pounds empty as it is right now. But it can hold an additional 20,000 pounds of armaments. That includes missiles. That includes guns. That includes uh, all sorts of weaponry and armament. And then that also includes bombs. This can carry uh, conventional bombs as well as nuclear bombs. I mean, of course, here we are at a museum. It's retired, okay? It's not going anywhere. But back in the day, this fighter jet was a force, a weapon to be reckoned with. And when the enemies or the adversaries saw the F-4 Phantom coming at them, they were filled with fear because this weapon can do extraordinary damage in battle. Joshua, when people heard the name Joshua, the enemies, it all of a sudden, they were filled with fear because Joshua had a reputation for being a mighty warrior. And Joshua did not have any mighty weapons like these weapons or weapons from uh, long, long ago, spears and, and shields and all those things. Joshua had a weapon that nobody could hardly get their minds around, and Joshua's weapon was simply the miracles of God. That's what Joshua did. That's how he fought his battles. It wasn't with uh, swords and shields and knives and, and all those things. It was simply the miracles of God. And that's what the story is about today as Joshua comes to us and invites us to really hear about who God is. And again, just to kind of set the stage a little bit for you. Joshua had no military training that we know of, according to the Bible. He actually went to boot camp uh, as a slave in Egypt. And then he spent the first 40 years of his military career wandering around the wilderness, eating meals ready to eat, but really not engaging in any battle. 
And so Joshua is just this guy who uh, received very little training. You would think he is not equipped to fight any battles. But what Joshua had was a charge and a promise from Moses, his commanding officer. Before Moses died, he looked at Joshua and said, here's your marching orders, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Now look at the land over there. That's the promised land. That's the land that you are going to lead the Israelites to go in and take. Be very strong and be very courageous. And Joshua said, all right. And so he, he first started out by sending some spies into the land to check things out, to make sure that they could actually go into the land. The spies came back and they gave Joshua the thumbs up and said, yep, let's go. And then Joshua looks at God and says, God, now what do we do? They've got the mighty Jordan River in front of them. And God says, here's what I want you to do. Get everybody ready to go, and you're going to go across the, the Jordan River. You're going to put your foot into the Jordan River. And Joshua, I can about imagine, is thinking, oh, great. First thing we do is we step in to the Jordan River. I get my sandals all wet. I probably get muddy feet, probably slip and fall. This is going to be a disaster. But this is how God works over and over throughout the Bible. God doesn't do the miracle first and then ask people to have faith. He looks at his people and says, I want you to have faith. And then God shows up and performs the miracle. And that's exactly what happens. So Joshua steps out in faith. All the Israelites, and as they step into the Jordan River, the waters part. Does this sound reminiscent or what? This, remember how God did that a generation ago at the Red Sea? Now God's doing that with the Jordan River. And the Israelites walk through the Jordan River on dry ground. And when they're out in the middle of the river, God tells them to pick up 12 stones, one for the, each tribe of Israel, and to carry these large stones to the other side of the river. And that's what they do, is they carry these large 12 stones to the other side of the river, and they pile up the rocks. It's a monument. It's a monument to the miracle that God has just parted the waters, and it's a monument remembering how God has rescued them from slavery, brought them through the wilderness, and it's a reminder that God is about to do an even greater miracle. And this monument uh, is at a place called Gilgal. And they didn't just pile up a bunch of uh, rocks and, and just remember, but they threw a party. They celebrated. Remember, 40 years, they had been eating saltine crackers through the wilderness. They didn't have much good food. And now here they were standing in the promised land. And they began to eat the fruit of the land. Can you imagine not ever having eaten um, apples and oranges and bananas and pineapples and mangoes? And then all of a sudden, one day, you're like, dang, this is so good. And they had a party at Gilgal. Well, piling up rocks and having a party is easy. That sounds like a pretty good uh, uh, way for the, the, the battles and the conquering and the conquest to start. And then uh, Joshua goes out, and he's getting ready, to, you know, just psyching up his mind to get ready to go to battle. And he runs into this mighty angel of a warrior. He's got this big sword, this massive soldier. Now, at this point in time, Joshua is not very strong and courageous. 
And so he, he looks at this mighty warrior angel and kind of sheepishly says, are you on our side? Are you fighting for us? Or are you on their side? Are you against us? And the mighty angel warrior looks at Joshua and he says, neither. It was the angel's way of saying, I don't take sides. I don't fight for people. And it's a way to remind us that God comes to us and invites us to be on his side. God was looking at Joshua and he was saying, listen, you're not doing this for me. I am going to go to battle for you. Joshua, I know you think you're a mighty warrior, but this is God's battle. This is God's fight. You Israelites, you're just along for the ride. You're just here for the show. But you do have a role to play. You are to be obedient and faithful to whatever God tells you to do. But make no mistake about it, the battle, the conquest, all that is about to transpire, that battle belongs to the Lord and he will take care of you. Well, at this point in time, Joshua is so overwhelmed. He's so overwhelmed by this experience with this warrior uh, of an angel of the Lord that he just falls to the ground and he starts worshiping. He goes down and he's just like, wow, this is amazing. All right, God, I surrender. You go to battle. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. So the first battle after all this happens is God says uh, to, to uh, Joshua, here's the first battle. We are going to conquer Jericho. Now, what you need to know about Jericho is that it's a fortified city. It's a really big city. It's got really high walls and, and really thick walls. And here's the battle plan, Joshua. What I want you to do is to form a conga line. All the Israelites need to line up. And out in front of the uh, conga line, uh, we're going to put uh, the seven priests, and they're going to be carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which contained uh, the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments. And what you're going to do is you are going to march around the city for seven day six days, six days, completely quiet. You're not going to say a word. You're just going to silently walk around the city. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around the city seven times. You're going to blow the trumpets. You're going to shout and scream and lose your minds. And the walls are going to fall down. You're going to race in and you are going to conquer the fortified city of Jericho. And that's exactly what happened. The Israelites were victorious in their very first battle, very unconventional. You know, and in, after that battle, all the nations around them, they feared Joshua greatly. He grew a reputation, as you might imagine. But for the Israelites, they knew that this was a miracle from God. They knew that Joshua didn't do anything militaristically uh, extraordinary. He just trusted in God. He put his faith in God and allowed God uh, to go to battle for Joshua and the Israelites. So they move on to the next battle. This is the battle of uh, Ai. And uh, this battle doesn't go so well. In fact, in this battle, uh, the Israelites uh, uh, were roundly defeated. It was ugly. 
And uh, they come to find out the reason why uh, they lost the battle is because the Israelites were disobedient to God. They didn't trust God. They decided to, to do the things their own way. And God said, okay, fine. You want to fight your battles on your own, doing the, the things that you think you want to do? Go ahead. And the Israelites lost the battle. And these two battles, they really become uh, the, the, the metaphor, the imagery, uh, the, the, the lesson for all the other battles that the Israelites were going to fight. Trust in God, do what God tells you, and you will be victorious. Trust in yourself, be disobedient to God, and you will experience defeat. And so Israel goes to battle for years, in fact, with Joshua out front uh, uh, leading the troops. Sometimes they followed God, other times they didn't. And, and it became very, very clear, this, this is God's battle. And we really have to choose uh, whether we're going to be obedient to God and follow him in battle or if we're going to do it our own way. Well, one time, uh, and, and Israel's doing great. I mean, they are just overtaking the land. One time, five kings banded together, and they said, let's form an alliance uh, because Israel's pretty powerful. And so they formed an alliance. I mean, this is now a big army coming up against Israel. And Joshua looks up at God and says, hey, God, can you make the sun stand still? And God allows the sun to stand still in the middle of the day. And not only that, then Joshua calls out to God and God sends rocks down on the enemies of God's people. And they routed them, of course. And this goes on and on. It's, it's just story after story of uh, battle and blood and guts and, 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 and Israel's winning left and right until 31 kings uh, who were living in the land before, were captured. And Israel was now clearly the victor, and they were in the land. They had fully conquered the land. And then Joshua looks at the people and says, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to divide out the land into uh, different districts uh, according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And so then it be kind of becomes this geography lesson uh, that is written about in the book of Joshua. And for the, the Israelites, in that moment, they knew and they remembered the promises given to Abraham 500 years earlier that God would not only make them a great nation, but that he would give them a great land. And it was just this moment of, ah, we've arrived. We've arrived in the land. Thank you, God, for giving us the land. Now, Joshua had one more thing uh, left to do, preach a sermon. Sometimes we preachers just got to preach, and uh, Joshua felt like he needed to preach a sermon. So we're going to listen to that sermon, or a little bit of that sermon today, in Joshua 24, beginning with verse 1. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, and the officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. 
But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led them through throughout Canaan and gave them many descendants. I gave him Isaac and Isaac. I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Sire to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought you your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and he brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jordan fought against you, as also did the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites, but I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities which you did not build. To, and to live in them and to eat from the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. Then Joshua pauses. And he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors, who they worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. And then Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua reminds them of God's faithfulness in their lives. It reminds them how over and over, for hundreds of years, God took care of the Israelites and provided for them. And then he looked at the Israelites and said, you need to be obedient to God because he has done all this for you. Stop fooling around, folks. And then he asks them a question. What are you going to do? How are you going to live your life? Are you going to keep following after all the things that serve yourself? Are you going to keep following after all the things of this world that are meaningless? Or are you going to follow God, the one true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Joseph, the God of Moses, the God who is here today, the living God who has brought you into the land? Me? I'm following God. 
And then he drops the book or drops the mic or whatever he does. And there's silence all around for you and for me to ask that same question. You know, Joshua's life is all about pointing to Jesus. Joshua, as spoken in the original Hebrew language uh, of, of the Old Testament, is pronounced Yeshua. Yeshua, that's what they would have called him. By the time the it was written in the Greek language, Yeshua is pronounced Jesus. In other words, Joshua's life, Joshua is the archetype for the one who will come and rescue. And it's not our battle to fight. We can't fight the battle. It's God's battle to fight for us. See, Jesus came into the world to fight not the battle against people, not the battle uh, for land, but Jesus came into the world to fight the battle against sin and death. Jesus came into the world to step on the neck of Satan and look at him and say, you lost, God wins, war is over, we win. God is a God of the battle who goes to battle for you and for me. And he does it through the mighty warrior of Jesus Christ. You know, we think of about warriors and, and leaders in battles like Napoleon. We think about Alexander the Great or, or even Julius Caesar. Or we even think about Joshua as a military leader, as one who goes to battle. Jesus is far greater than all those. And he says, I have conquered all. But the battle plan is still the same. We are called to not fight the battle, but to allow God to fight that battle of sin and death and destruction. And to just trust in God to do whatever he says. That's why God gave us his word to help us to know how to live, to know how to be obedient. And we have the same choice as the Israelites had. We can either follow our own desires, we can either follow our own thoughts, we can either follow whatever we want to do in the battles of life, or we can put it all down and say, God, this is your battle. You fight the battle for sin. You fight the battle for death. You fight whatever battles I am facing day in and day out. I'm out. Just tell me what you want me to do. Allow me, God. Show me how to be obedient and to live according to your word. And so this morning I want to close simply by the same words that Joshua closed with his sermon. Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to follow into battle? Are you going to follow yourself and all your strategies and tactics as you go through life? Or are you going to allow God to fight your battles? And God says there's still going to be battles to fight, and they're not going to be easy. God never promised us any easy life, any easy battles. But he said, I will go before you, I will fight your battles, and I will be with you and around you, and I will guide you every step of the way. And when you worship me, as Joshua worshipped him, you will experience that peace, that assurance, 
assurance that God has won the ultimate battle and we need to every single day step out in faith and trust that God is before us doing what only he can do, conquering uh, all that is going on around us and all the evil forces of this world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed a God of the battle, a God of the conquer, the conquest, the one who conquers, the one who continues to conquer. We pray, O oh Lord, that your Holy Spirit might lead us and guide us uh, every single day that we, like Joshua, would surrender, surrender our lives and trust in you because the battle belongs to you, God. So lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.